Hi, everybody. This is Gary Sandy, and thank you very much for listening to the WKRP cast. You're not a cop, are you? WKRP in Cincinnati. Hey, fellow babies, WKRP cast on hiatus continues for one more week. We're recording this in the studio in our house in Jacksonville on October 12th. This is our last night in our house. The moving truck comes tomorrow, and all of this will be packed away for about 10 days as we relocate. Moving is a big job. Moving and recording a podcast Well, it just was not happening. But we don't want to leave you with a big WKRP-shaped hole in your Tuesday morning, so we've picked a rerun for today. It's one of our all-time favorites. It's also one of our most downloaded podcast episodes. This is the episode that introduced us to Wingy Manone. So, you know it has to be good. That's right. We're doing Hold Up featuring Hamilton Camp. It's a hilarious episode, and there's a ton of content. But we've managed to find one more thing. You know, at the end, when Hugh Wilson bursts in playing a cop, we could identify him, but we had no idea Who played those two guys coming in the front door? Since we made this one, we've become friends with Tom Cheehawk. Tom was a season one story editor and the man who wrote this episode. Tom told us he and Blake Hunter play the other two cops who burst into the front door at the end of the episode. So a little more detail in there as you enjoy this classic episode of WKRP. And remember to support us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash WKRPcast. All right, enough with the jabbering. Bring on Hamilton. And wingy Manone. So just sit right down, relax, open your ears real wide, and say... Weather today in the greater Cincinnati area. Are you awake? Whoa! Are you awake now? But the senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. Say what? Dear God, she's going to kill us all. Welcome to the WKRP cast, a deep dive rewatch podcast, spending time with America's favorite radio station, WKRP in Cincinnati. My name is Alan Stair. And I'm his wife, Donna. This is a week-by-week, episode-by-episode rewatch. We're getting into the trivia, the characters, and the details that have made WKRP one of America's favorite syndicated sitcoms for nearly 40 years. So, fellow babies, don't touch that dial. It's time for the WKRP cast. I'm at WKRP in Cincinnati. Welcome back to the WKRP cast. Hopefully you've gotten your box set of Shout Factory DVDs and you're watching along with us. We are just about ready to get into our next episode. But before we do that, we're going to try something this episode. At the end of the episode, we are going to do a shout out to our WKRP cast listeners who have been providing us with some cool stuff. Right. We really appreciate any comments from our listeners. So we're not going to do any of this during the show. We're going to get you your KRP, and then we'll do all of that at the end. If you want to stick around for the last five or ten minutes, stay tuned, listen, enjoy. It'll be fun. So now let's get into the episode. What are we talking about this time? We are talking about episode number five of season one, Hold Up. The air date was October 16th, 1978, written by Hugh Wilson and Tom Chihak. Story editors, Tom Chihak, Bill Dial, and Blake Hunter. 
directed by Asad Kalada. Herb manages to ensnare a new client, Dell's Stereo Shop, by promising a live remote broadcast with Dr. Johnny Fever himself. The remote turns into a disaster. Bucky, the union station engineer, and a man calling himself Bobby Boogie all add to the mayhem. Oh, and I'm so glad it turns into a disaster because it's so much fun. Some show notes here. There's no Bailey, no Venus flytrap, and no Jennifer in this episode. We talked about this a little bit, and something that I mentioned, and you weren't really feeling it, but I was feeling kind of <laughs> claustrophobic during this episode. The reason for that is the studio where they're shooting this has been utilized for for Dell's electronic shop at the expense of the lobby and Mr. Carlson's office. That's where Dell's is sitting. Okay. So those sets are not going to appear in this episode. Every time we go back to the station, we're only in Andy's office or the studio. That's why, to me, it felt claustrophobic every time yeah. we were in there. And I didn't really feel claustrophobic, but what I felt was it had that feeling of a stage, like a, a high school production. It really does. Kind of. It does. and it's, Especially when you're in Dell's. Well, and really, the only thing that's different between what they're doing, aside from the money and a high school production, is how the sets are kind of laid out. For a stage, for a, you know, for a play, you'd keep bringing a set out in the same space. Their sets are all sitting right next to each other. Right. So they just took down two of these big sets, the lobby and Carlson's office, to build this gigantic space for Dell's. But yeah, it does have kind of the look of a high school play. Right. And speaking of Dell's, that's where we start at scene one. We are in Dell's stereo shop. Oh, and we meet a guy in Dell's. I just love this man so much. He is a force <laughs> of nature. Ah. Del Murdoch is being played by a gentleman named Hamilton Camp, and oh, this guy kills me. The energy. I was talking about this episode with a friend a couple of weeks ago, and I said, Del is like when you see a downed power line dancing along the pavement and sparking, that is Del. He is everywhere and electricity constantly. Love this guy, and... No surprise. The committee connection. Dell was a member of the committee with Howard Hessman. Dell, major improver, was also a part of Second City. So hitting all the big improv troops in the 60s there. Back in 1961, he I refer, was I just realized a... I referred to him as Dell. His name's Hamilton. Yes. But... <laughs> <laughs> he was in a folk duo with a guy named Bob Gibson. And one of their songs was called Civil War Trilogy. All right. Now, I didn't listen to that, but you said you listened to it. I listened to it, and it went on and on and <laughs> well, on. it's a trilogy. Of course. But, but if you're go. familiar with the Smothers Brothers, <laughs> that was the sound. It sounded like... That troubadour, the, that folk folksy, music kind of sound. Yeah. Right, right. Which I love the Smothers Brothers. Now, also, uh, Hamilton Camp, uh, this guy's so prolific. He's just done so much stuff through his career. He was going by Bob back then. Right, it was Bob and Bob. Bob and Bob. Bob Gibson, Bob <laughs> Camp. And he got into this Hamilton Camp. He, uh, It was a religious change. And he named himself Hamid Hamilton Camp. The first name was H-A-M-I-D, but he felt for performing that Hamilton was more accessible. It was easier to pronounce. So that's why he went with Hamilton Camp. I, I thought that was kind of an interesting first name, and I found out it was something he changed to later. But another one of his big credits... He wrote the song Pride of Man for Quicksilver Messenger Service in 1968. He has so much energy and he is so funny. I just look at him and he makes me laugh. And I always think, 
how come he didn't get his own show? And even though he never had his own show, he has 213 credits as an actor. You think it's a typo. I'm just thinking about that's 213 jobs he had to go out and get. That's amazing that he was in that much stuff. And not only is he an actor, he's a singer. Right. This show begins and ends with Hamilton Camp. You're you're going to be in, in Hamilton's camp he's all through He's in a lot this. of the show. And- yes. He was on a TV series in 1969 called Turn On and another series in 1979 called Coed Fever. But both of these were canceled after only one episode. Now, now those were kind of his star vehicles, right? Those were the ones they were trying to get him as a lead in a series. And they both were shut down after one episode. He is one funny, funny guy, but I wonder if he's just too much. You know, that was one of the concerns that they had when they put Robin Williams in Mork and Mindy. He's, he's Mr. Intensity. He's constantly up. He's always out. Can people really take him for 25 minutes? He, he wears you out. Yeah, he really does. There was that fatigue factor even with Mork, but it may be Hamilton Camp's deal. It might've been, he was just too much to take for a half hour, but boy, do I love him in the small doses we've got him in today. Can I be sincere for just one moment? We open in Dell's stereo shop and Dell is walking around, making sure things are in order for his big sale. He is funny, standing still and silent. He's kind of sitting back there behind the cash wrap when Herb walks in, not moving, not doing anything, and I'm still laughing at him. Well, he's got the facial expressions, and you can see when he sees Herb walk in, you can tell in his head he's sizing Herb up as a customer. In my head, the picture was a vulture perched waiting to swoop down and attack prey (laughs) when Herb walked in. Oh, right. He's ready to make a sale. And with Herb walking in... Herb Darling, fashion alert. With Dell. That's right. Not only is it a Herb Tarlick fashion alert, but we've also got Dell here. We've got to be looking at what Dell's wearing. Right. So we're doing a double, a twofer. What's what's Herb rocking here? Herb is in a dark blue jacket with white stitching around the lapel, maroon pants, a white shirt with light maroon tiny crosshatch patterns, and a maroon tie that matches the pants, with white shoes and a white belt. Herb's outfit for me, was kind of the gift that kept on giving. Because when he first walked into Dell's, Dell's is kind of dark. That set Mm -hmm. is kind of dark and the lighting's kind of low. I didn't catch that outline around the lapel. Right. He's got that white stitching outlining the lapel. It wasn't until he was back in the office later that then we saw the stitching and the cross hatching on the shirt. Well, and the maroon pants. I thought they matched his jacket. I don't know. You're looking at it from all these different angles and in different lights, and it keeps changing. He's wearing this Rubik's Cube of a. Well, outfit. I think we were kind of thrown a little, little bit because it's a solid blue jacket, solid pants. At first, he it looked no, very conservative. He has no checks, no plaids, and so and, until right you now, zoom in, then you find the tiny cross hatch pattern on the shirt, which is very tame, <laughs> very tame. But but still, the white shoes, the white belt. Now Dell mm-hmm. looking fairly professional, color palette matching. He does have a pen in the breast pocket of his suit coat, which is a little right. odd. But <laughs> uh, and Dell also. Into the white shoes. Into the white shoes. That's a sales thing, I guess. It's part of the look of that era. You got to be there. Dell walks over (laughs) and Herb is standing there. Now, I'm not sure if Herb is just doing a cold call. He checks his watch or if he had an appointment. But the way I don't think he had an appointment. I think he's just out pitching the neighborhood. He's just kind of walking in to see what's going on. And Dell gets his attention. Now, normally, 
we don't play clips this long, but <laughs> how on earth do you stop this tsunami of words? Del Murdoch, Pitchin, Herb Tarlick. Ah! Did you ever see such a selection in your life? Wait a minute, I know exactly what you're going to say. Can Del Murdoch, personal owner of Del Stereo, set me up with the exact stereo system I need? Well, let's take a look at you. Busy executive on the go, drive your own personal luxury car. Your belt matches your shoes, but there's a hole in your life. Well, let's fill that hole with sound. <laughs> when he does this, the belt matches the shoe. <laughs> But there's a hole in your life. Fill it with sound. Oh, man. <laughs> he, he's awesome. He's just awesome. I love this guy. All right, okay, now, when he fires up that stereo system, this is a song change. We lost a song here. That was supposed to be Atomic Punk by Van Halen, which you'd have been getting a little of this blast. I am a victim of the science I don't know what we got there. It's just some noise coming out of the speakers. It's whatever this is. Which is okay because Dell does his little uh, jiggle there with his hips. <laughs> he, he looks like a al dente noodle or something. He's just wobbling back and forth there and yeah, swinging the hips. Oh, that's great. And, and it's just so entertaining to watch these two, to watch Herb and Dell. Back and forth, back and forth, two salesmen conversing with each other. It is like two knights in polyester sparring with each other, is what it is. It is just <laughs> the they're they're going after each other. Herb is trying to sell radio. Why advertise in the newspaper? Kids today can't read. And television, stinkerino. Dell is trying to sell stereo equipment. Speaking of radio, Herb, let's look at this little Nansui portable. Isn't she a beauty? <laughs> and by the way. Talk about a dinosaur, a throwback, a look at what electronic sales were before all the big boxes of the world took over. This is how it used to be. Circuit City and Best Buy wiped out guys like Dell. Oh, oh, I see. It used to be Dell just on the street with his store. And this is probably his only location. He's there, the owner. Dell's stereo and sound, and he is ready to sell you something awesome. But man, that just, you can't find that anymore. Well, Herb explains who he is and why he's there. And he agrees to buy a stereo from Dell, and then Dell agrees to host a remote at his store. And we don't get the the economy of this situation until later. Herb explains that uh, he's he's put like two or three grand worth of stereo equipment on hold at Dell's place, and Dell's buying a seven hundred dollar remote. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so Herb's not getting the, the the good end of this deal. You want the radio and the stereo? Do you want to advertise on WKRP exclusively? <laughs> it was just a blast watching these two guys go at each other. And what I really loved is when they got into the sincerity thing. Oh, I mean this sincerely. Sincerely. I this am is... sincere when I and say... Dell, coming from you, that's the greatest compliment ever paid me. Then I mean that sincerely. Put on the boots, because it's getting high. It's... <laughs> I, exactly. I was thinking, it's like, hold your watch up. It's getting deep in here. <laughs> All right, so Herb's made his big sale. The day is not a loss. And we, we go back to Andy's office, back at the station. And here again, no Carlson's office, no lobby. We're back in the programming office, because that's all we've got left after Dell's giant stereo shop taking up the most of the most of the room. Uh, and Andy is talking with a dude named Bob Burnett. And guess what? The 
This is Gary Goudreau. Also, the committee connection. The committee is all over this episode it is. of WKRP. What do you, what do we know about Gary? Well, Gary, he wrote "Honey, I Blew Up the Kids," which was uh, the sequel after the I shrunk. The kids. Yeah, they blew it up and they did some other stuff right. to him. But yeah, he had one of those. He also appeared in "Escape from Alcatraz" with Clint Eastwood, and in the 1998 remake of "Invasion of the Body Snatchers." Boy, Gary's got a nice voice too, doesn't he? He has a very nice... I like his voice. I'm just taking a hard look at the type of station that I want to be personally associated with. And he's looking for openings at KRP for a DJ. Kind of laying it on thick, saying they're the number one station he in the market. He wants to work for the number one station. And they're number one. But we learn from Andy that uh, that's not exactly not true. Well, actually, we're number 16 in an 18 station market. Mr. Carlson brings Herb in now and talk about a proud papa. He is. He's busting his buttons because Herb made a sale. He wants you to meet one of the world's great advertising salesmen. Bob mentions that he's got to get to lunch at WPIG. This is our first mention of The Pig, which is the number one station in Cincinnati and not loved at all by Mr. Carlson. Those swine. WPIG, that's their arch nemesis. A little more pig exposure later (laughs) in the season, but yeah, this is the first mention of The Pig. It almost reminds me of the first mention of Newman on Seinfeld. This is going to be the nemesis for for the rest (laughs) of the series. So Bob Burnett leaves. He goes to have lunch over at WPIG, and they start talking about the remote that Herb sold to Dell. I've had tougher sales. Hey, I've had easier sales. In fact, I've had sales that just sort of fell right in the middle. Now, something to point out, and this is one of those really truthful radio things. The remote is scheduled for Saturday because that's when people are out. The idea behind the remote is you turn on your radio and they say, hey, we got this huge sale happening at so-and-so and you're free on a Saturday so you right. can go down there. That's the reason all the remotes are on Saturday. DJs hate remotes because they happen on Saturday and that's your day off. So <laughs> Andy's wanting to get Johnny down for the remote. You know Johnny's going to be really happy about that, having to give up his Saturday afternoon. And Herb says, well, I kind of told Dell, or Dell wants me to do it. Yeah, Herb's got aspirations for air work. And Andy's like, Herb, we've talked about this before. <laughs> And Herb's, well, what a waste. Yeah, you know, and, 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 I know, and, I'm a salesman. What a waste. So they're going to get Johnny to go down there. Hey, we're doing a poster watch on the back. They Posters are populating quickly on the back And wall. they're changing. Yeah, we're getting new ones. Sometimes um, they just change position. But sometimes we got brand new. And right. I think ELO's record company might have sent over a promo kit. Because, <laughs> man, oh, man, we've got uh, t- right next to the door coming na- into Andy's office is the inside of the Out of the Blue album. Him. Then behind his desk is this massive out of the blue uh, poster that's up there. So ELO making a big presence in the office right now. But also we saw back by the file cabinets a poster that I recognized immediately because this was a favorite album of mine, Dan Fogelberg and Tim Weisberg. It's called Twin Sons of Different Mothers. And the one song you probably know from this album was called The Power of Gold. The Power of Gold. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Something like that. You might also be aware of it as the theme for the 1980 Winter Olympics on ABC. It was not the official Olympics theme. It was ABC's theme. And it's kind of funny because the song is actually about 
being controlled by corporate greed and the power of gold is being under the power of money. But uh, all ABC heard was, oh, gold, gold, gold medals, gold medals. Right, we'll use right. it for the Olympics. And it hit number 24 in the Hot 100. And uh, Tim Weisberg, a jazz flautist. Yes. Yes. I just thought he I thought sang another on singer. the album. Yeah. yeah, I thought he was another singer. Well, also, we see a, a poster of Rod Stewart from the 1977 Footloose and Fancy Free album. And that one's kind of back to the right of the file cabinets, and it looks like just a smush of gold. We really had to stop it and figure out what it was. You look at it, and you can't even really, at first, it looked like a woman. We said, is that a woman? And then we realized, oh, no, it's Rod Stewart with his typical Rod Stewart hair. Footloose and Fancy Free had some hits. Uh, you might remember the final acclaim was on that one. You're in my heart, you're in my soul. you be my breath, should I grow? A little Hot Legs. Which, you remember Hot Legs? Mm. Let's get this in. I And then I was only joking was another big one off of that. Album. I was only joking, my dear, looking for a way to hide So that's the look of the posters in Andy's office. Yeah, more coming, and uh, it's fun to watch them change and move it around is. and keep track of them. But I think the record companies are starting to realize, hey, these guys are promoting music. They really are. People we ought to get really our stuff listening over there. listening to what they're playing. Yeah. I love you, honey. Now we're back in Dell's stereo shop, and it's the day of the remote. So it's Saturday, and it's noon to three. They're getting in there, getting set up. The remote board's already there. Mm -hmm. uh, Johnny shows up with Herb, so we're coming up on 12 o'clock. Well, gosh darn it, how's it going, huh? And when Herb walks in, it's Saturday. <laughs> We've got another one. Herb Darling, fashion alert. With Dell. I think this is a relaxed Saturday look for Herb. What's what's he got on here? Oh, my goodness. He's got his salmon-colored shirt, which he likes, with a wine-colored tie, a dark brown jacket that has the collar it's <laughs> okay. highlighted with a strange pattern. Now, I thought that there's an inset over the collar that matches the pants. You weren't seeing the pattern I, really repeating. I don't know. But it was hard. I think this is a coordinated suit where there are highlights in the jacket that match the pants. And wow, is and it I weird. I could not explain the pants. I the, can't describe the... I, it's a strange <laughs> pattern. It's, it's a, not even a pattern. It's a fade. It's, it almost looks like, you know, when you do that art where you pour colored sand in and it makes the different waves. Yes. Got, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, kind of yeah. got it's that like feel that. to it. It's really unstructured. And no white shoes with this outfit. He, the, We've got two-toned shoes. Yeah. Dark brown on the bottom part of the shoe with white with on the, the top. white inset, the upper is white. So two-toned shoes. But that brown going nicely with the brown it suit. Works. It works with the brown <laughs> suit. You know, something else about that coat if you look at the pockets, the big pockets right. down low, they're split in the middle with another little inset of that piece of but fabric in there. I think the the fabric in the pockets is what's on the collar. Is what's on the collar. And yeah, I think I it's think all so. matching the pants. I think it's all one big it, thing. But, probably. But then Dell has stepped it up for the weekend as well. Robin egg blue suit. White shirt with blue pattern ties. And white shoes. It's the symphony in blue. Dell is right. blue. But it, he's he's a little guy, so he can pull it off. Yeah. If I were wearing that, you'd think you were looking at the <laughs> sky. But Dell is is pulling that off. And it and really it looks pretty good on Dell. Uh Herb, I don't know, man. Herb is really out there. 
Yeah, he is. But Dell is really wound up. He is ready for this remote, and he is talking a mile a minute he to John. excited, and we get one of the iconic lines of WKRP. Customers get the same treatment. You'll see. That's the kind of guy I am. Just don't touch anything, though. That's very important. Don't touch the merchandise. Mm-hmm. Speed kills, Dell. And we hear it more than once, even. <laughs> <Yes>. so. <laughs> and then we get the engineer coming in. This Bucky. is Bucky Dornster. Bucky is played by Bill Dial. And as you recall, he's one of the story editors. And he really did work at WQXI Quixie. Yeah, I remember in the prologue we talked about Bill that we didn't know he worked at either seven or 11 radio stations in Atlanta. But Bill's really got legit radio cred and uh, contributed a lot as a writer to the show. Uh, but he also is acting here. Well, I, I know why he's a story editor, though. After do <laughs> you see him in this episode, <laughs> he, you know, don't quit your day job. Well, there. I have met several radio engineers. He's not far off. Radio engineers tend to work a lot of times when no one else is in the station. So they're somewhat isolated. They're a little bit antisocial. They're deadpan. Deadpan. Yeah. They are some of the most intelligent people you're ever going to run into in a radio station. They know everything about everything about the technical side of that station. And they don't have time to explain it to you. So stop asking them. They're busy. I've got work to do. Right. That That is the ongoing aura around every radio engineer. Leave me alone. I'm busy. And he looks like an engineer. He enters pushing some equipment on a dock. He's got cable draped over his shoulder, and he is really smacking that chewing gum. He is doing some gum acting, big time. (laughs) But he's pushing the equipment in. He bangs into a turntable and knocks it off its stand. What was that? The Yamasaki 9000! So Del gets a little upset. All right, I don't know heights here. But there is a big difference between Dell and Bucky. And <laughs> Dell runs I, up I, to I, him and says, like, I'm going to kill you or something. He gets right in his face, but he's looking up. Sorry. Sorry, I'll kill you. <laughs> However, it's okay. We'll just mark it down. We'll just mark it down. We'll just mark it down. It'll yeah. be fine. It'll <laughs> be fine. He smashed this turntable all over the floor. <laughs> so, All right. So Johnny's getting set up over at the board. and this The board is- looks like it's made out of cardboard. The well, soundboard. <laughs> it's that box over to his left, and I don't know what's going on there, but that's a big mixer. There are a couple of things going on here that don't work in kind of real-world radio. Normally, the only thing coming from wherever the remote site is is the person's voice that's there doing the remote. And like modern-day remotes are done over cell phones. You, you'll you see somebody doing a remote out at a store, and they're talking into their phone. That's going on the air. Right. I've seen you do a couple of those. Yeah, yeah but... I've, I've done those, just, just talking into a phone, and that's going right on the air. So... All of the bringing out the turntables and bringing out the music, and that normally does not happen right, on site. Right, because wouldn't you have to, like, balance the turntables? Oh, there's a and lot. It would be yeah, a big... and one person walks up and bumps into it, and now you've got to skip, and you're off the air. And But we want Johnny there, so in order to have Johnny there, we want him playing records, and so that's how they're doing this. Right, you get it's the a, DJ personality there. It's a TV remote. It's not a real radio remote. So, you know, but it, it right. works, and it's fun, and I love that sign that they've got around the front 
under the table. It looks like it was made in about 1958. <laughs> On the air with WKRP. And you said something about the mic that Johnny is using yeah. at the remote. It's I, not really one that you would it, use. I d- it looks like one you'd call for a cleanup in aisle seven or something. You know, it's got that kind of intercom look to it. It's not really an air mic. I don't know. Right. And, and the... Um, Cable going from the yeah. the cord going from the soundboard yeah. to his headphones yeah. is like really short. It, when you've got headphones around your neck, it feels like somebody's got their hands around your neck anyway. It's kind of a <laughs> it's a little bit of a pressure on there. You don't want that short cord pulling you sideways. Every time they cut to him looking at that, I thought that has got to be uncomfortable. It looks sitting with that short cord on there like that. Johnny's trying to get things all set up, ready to go, and you hear a crash from the back of the store, which it was where Bucky went. What was that? I think that was a Goring three thousand turntable. Goring three thousand. Right. Before this happens, Dell had handed these clipboards to Herb and Johnny with all the product on them he wants them to push. Okay, yeah. So both Johnny and Herb are marking it off the <laughs> list of items that that one's not going to be sold during the one remote. One less uh, item to talk about. It's all a bunch of junk anyway. And Dell, he does ask, he goes, Herb, if no customers come in, I get my money back, don't I? And you know what I've never, ever heard of ever in the history of ever <laughs> radio ever is a guaranteed remote. Right. They don't do it. <laughs> it doesn't happen. So Herb is deflecting this one hilariously. He keeps grabbing Dell by the shoulders and just moving him away and then walking on by. He's and just, wanting to get out. He's, he wants got and finally he says he he's gonna go. He's leaving Dell in Johnny's hands. And finally Herb says, If you need anything, Dell, anything at all, I'll be in my car somewhere. So that's gonna help a lot because you know this is 1978. Herb doesn't have a phone in that car with him. <laughs> He's out of here. This is ridiculous, dear Herbie. Ridiculous. Well, it's almost noon, so they've got to get on the air. So Johnny asks Bucky for power, and they do a countdown from five. And and now, now, hold on. You saw this coming, right? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Coming down Main Street with the flags and the and the streamers, and you knew the power was going to go out. Hang on, Dell, baby. Here we go. Right. And they do the countdown. And I can't believe Johnny counted it from five. Five. I, I thought three. All the way down. He five, took it from five. Four. And then, bloomp. Dell? <laughs> yeah. How do you like it so far? <laughs> Back in the studio, we open um, on Les giving his news report. Police report the explosion injured 600. However, authorities at Alfred Nobel High School promise the science fair will continue as scheduled. There are jokes hidden all over WKRP, we have learned, as we've been doing this. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those hidden jokes that we both, it flew by us. I was hearing little parts of it. The 600 injured at a science fair. Just the fact that you get 600 people out to a science fair, that's pretty funny. Well, how are they injured? By an explosion. By an explosion. By an explosion, yet the science fair is still going to go on. But then we've heard it, and we hadn't heard it. It's at the Alfred Nobel High School. Alfred Nobel. Who invented dynamite. dynamite. The man who invented dynamite. And also the man who created the Nobel Peace Prize because he felt so guilty about inventing dynamite. Right. But that's the joke, that it's the Alfred Nobel High School blowing up at the science fair and injuring 600. Didn't get that one the first time. Finally got it this time. So glad we found it. The reason he felt guilty for inventing dynamite was uh, his brother, Ludwig Nobel, 
passed away, and mistakenly, Alfred's obituary ran in the papers. Yeah, they keep obituaries written and, up on well, famous I people. I said that. I said, what, what do you mean Alfred's obituary? Why? How did they get him? Well, so that way, when somebody dies that's famous, you don't have to go do a bunch of research and, and scramble to write their, ob- and their I obit. Never really, it makes sense, but I never really thought yeah. about that before. I, I have heard that there are certain celebrities who it's kind of a... Uh, thing to brag about that you've got an obit on file with the New York Times, that kind of thing. But you have to keep going in and changing it. Yeah, they update. As, they keep updating. Yeah, you have to keep updating. And actually, I, I know there used to be at some papers a person that that was their job, just keep the obituaries updated. So it accidentally ran for Alfred Nobel uh, when his brother died, and it said in there he was a merchant of death because he'd invented dynamite. Right, it condemned him for his invention of military explosives. And it stated that he became rich from finding ways to kill more people faster than ever before. So he felt so guilty, he funded the Nobel Peace Prize. Ten minutes and 27 seconds into this episode. And now a special look at this episode's bandage placement for the five-time Buckeye NewsHawk Award winner, Les Nessman. This is the Les Nessman Bandage Report. Now here's Donna Stair with her report about Les Nessman. Right hand, thumb. This has been a look at the bandage placement for Silver Sow and Copper Cobb award-winning journalist Les Nessman. After the gigantic bandage in Hoodlum Rock on the elbow, this one, I'm relieved that it's just the thumb. (laughs) (laughs) Start finding pieces of Les all over the station. All right, so Andy and Mr. Carlson are in the studio with Les. This is a, obviously a big deal. They haven't had a remote in a while, I don't think, because everybody's pretty excited about it. But what's funny is it's Saturday, so Mr. Carlson's wearing a Cincinnati Reds ball cap. So. <laughs> and it's kind of off-center, it doesn't kind of look crooked. It doesn't look natural on him. It's not No, a, because yeah. he's still wearing a jacket. And, well, you know, it looks like a double-breasted sweater. I'm not sure oh, what that, it is, but true, there's but... something going on there, yeah. And then we hear uh, Les's outro, his big, overblown, massive outro, um, which, hey, yeah, we might be making fun of that with the bandage report, too. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And, okay, now Les starts a commercial, and he turns it off, and he turns around, he's talking to the guys. And when that commercial ends, we hear this. And I thought, ooh, hey, what is that little piece of music? (laughs) Um, I was just curious, and you had a what did it's you say? It was funky. Uh, well, I said it sounds like a the, from the dating game. Or, Do you remember you, the dating game, or from the Brady Bunch? I I was a big Brady Bunch fan, and whenever Marsha, 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 whenever she went to a party, or Greg, you'd see them dancing with their friends in somebody's living room, and it would be that, that kind, of, kind of thing, that generic da, kind da, of da, da, thing. Da, da, da. That's what it reminded me of. All right. So I was curious enough to drop a note to the big D, Mr. Dale Kovar. Dale is probably the most knowledgeable guy I've run into about music in WKRP. And I said, Dale, do you know anything about this piece of music? Not even the big D could tell me what this no was. No idea. So we're figuring it's a needle drop. It's some kind of buyout piece of music from the 60s, and they just threw it in there, and nobody's getting residuals or cares. But it was kind of funny. Right. And then you mentioned it was kind of like a beach beach it's party bingo. It's got that bingo. 60s beach horn raft section, like the guys all dancing right. with the horns. Up, yeah. <laughs> the, the Shrimp Shack shooters from That Thing You Do movie. That Thing You Do. I That's love that movie. That's got that feel to it, that yes. beach blanket bingo feel, but it's it cracked me up. Well, Les is reading the intro for the remote. Yeah, it's written to introduce Johnny, but it's like somebody would read it 
to get you in the mood now to turn it over to Johnny, and Les and is not he that guy. pull it off. Hello, fellow babies. And also, he did not pre-read his copy. Nope. He might have at least had a little bit of warning if he'd have pre-read it, but he told Andy... You don't have to worry. I'm a pro. I don't have to practice. And we're going live. <laughs> so... So he turns it over, Liv, to Johnny at Dell's, and wh- all they hear is... What the hell is going I, on? I can't see. Can you fix it? I don't know. So Carlson is yelling at Les to get that off the air, right. will ya? Down at Dell's, we've got the insanity going on with all the power off. Nobody checked. Again, in real life, you're talking off the air. You ready? Okay, when the song ends, we're going to throw it to you, or I'm going to come back to you, or whatever. But okay. Les didn't do any of that. Les just turned it on, hoping Johnny was going to be there. And, of course, it's chaos down at Dell's. Get that off the air, will you? Get that off of the air. Carlson's yelling at Les. He turns some knobs, and now there's dead air. There's nothing going on. So Andy steps to the cart rack, which... That is the instinctive response for any radio guy. You're going to jump on the cart rack. And then when I found out he was in the PSAs, it's like, yeah, that's exactly what would happen in that situation. You go to the public service announcement rack, and there are all these carts sitting there that have stuff on them like Woodsy Owl or Smokey the Bear. Mm. They're public service announcements. Most of them are produced by the government. And it used to be a law that radio stations had to play so many minutes of free announcements a week. And you'd have this rack where when you got stuck or lost... or It you was had, like the go-to. Yeah. You'd grab one of these things. So anytime you heard something weird happen on the radio, and then all of a sudden a, a Woodsy Owl commercial is playing, you know there are technical difficulties. <laughs> Somebody's having trouble, and they're trying they're to figure tra- it out. trying to buy time. Yeah. Give a hoot, don't pollute, never be a dirty bird, in the city or in the woods, help keep America looking good. Andy finds one and he and he goes, Les, quick, put this, but it's too late. Yeah, Les has already restarted re- his intro. <laughs> he restarts his big intro. <laughs> I know it's public service, all right. No! <laughs> so so we've got to cut for time. It's they've gotten things figured out. Bucky's obviously gotten the breaker put back together, whatever happened there. And the remote is underway now down at Dell's. All right, babies, this is Dr. Johnny Fever, and we're back on the air, coming at you live and jiving from Dell's Stereo and Sound in downtown Cincinnati. Dell is leaning back on the back rack of equipment, looking like he's just as depressed. He lost so his last defeated. friend. I also had a feel out of that. It, he really, obviously, he's, he's upset and depressed and then back there. But also, when Johnny introduces him, he then jumps up, comes oh, alive, boing. runs out, grabs this microphone, and goes into this hilarious pitch. But I was thinking this also had that look of kind of like James Brown. You know how James Brown would kind of be in the back of the stage, and he'd have his head bowed, and they'd take his cape off, and then he'd come out and grab the mic and go crazy, just like <laughs> Dell did. So I thought there was a little bit of that showmanship going on there, too, which is kind of funny when you figure Dell's on the radio. Again, we normally don't play anything this long, but you but cannot. But this is Hamilton. You, you gotta... can't miss this. <laughs> Take it away, Dell. Right, you are, Johnny. What a wonderful sale we've got going on down here. Unbelievable. That's right, folks. It's hard to believe. It is hard to believe, Johnny, because we're making deals down here that even the factory can't top. We're talking baguette turntables. We're talking Basel amplifiers. We're talking goring speakers. You name it, we're talking. 
We're talking Hornings, Barkers, Blitzers, and Makuchis. We're talking top-of-the-line merchandise that you can't find anyplace else for these prices. And why? Because Dell beats all deals. And why? Because I mark up nothing. I know, Johnny, call me crazy. You're crazy, Dell. Okay, let's talk crazy. Let's come on down here and talk Nansui. Let's talk Vibratone. Let's talk Nietzsche sound. Let's talk the incredible Moosia hockey. And that's only the beginning, Johnny. Uh, right you are, Dell. And right now, And John. Dell. I can just hear those people out there resting themselves right now. Where in the world can we find and locate these incredible bargains? Where, Dell? Well, right on down here at Dell's very own sound, 24679, Pugner, just south of Strake and Grambling, one block south of the Wingy Me Known Memorial Mall, across the street from where the men without work hang out. So let's go, everybody. Come on down, walk, run, jump, limp, crawl. I don't care. Just get down here. <laughs> <laughs> Wing the known memorial Wing the known. And it's Moosey-yaki. moosey hockey. I am sorry, but that kills me every single time. All right. What did he say in there? He said the wingy, W-I-N-G-Y, wingy Manone Memorial Mall. For the wingy Manone Memorial Mall. Wingy Manone Memorial Mall. So we had to find out what this was. I have to cut some of this was. out. I can't stop laughing. There, was a, there really was a, a person there named was. Wingy Manone. It was Joseph Wingy Manone. He was a one-armed jazz trumpet player. Wingy Manone. Yes. Born in New Orleans, in, in New Orleans, in 1900, and he died in 1982. But he got his nickname Wingy because he lost his arm in a streetcar accident when he was 10 years old. And he was alive during the taping of this episode. I've not found anything that says necessarily that anybody had a connection to Wingy. Like, I'm thinking maybe Hugh Wilson knows him. Maybe, you know, because Hugh Wilson has New Orleans and Atlanta connections. Mm -hmm. And maybe he just knows about him. He just kind of knows, you know, that he exists. We were trying to figure out why it was the Wingy Manone Memorial Mall when he didn't die till 1982, and this yeah, was 1978. Alive. He was still alive when this was on. But it, it just flows together so him. well. For the Wingy Manone Memorial Mall. I swear, I, I think I told you the other night, Dell could come at me with a baseball bat or one of these monologues, and they would both have the same effect. I would just be laid out you and were helpless. holding your side. You're oh, laughing so man. hard. And then he finishes this pitch. He throws his arm up with the mic, turns sideways, and it's like Elvis. If he were in a jumpsuit, <laughs> it would just be pose. the end of an Elvis concert. I was tired after that. Yeah, I, was- <laughs> I know it. I know it. And and the thing is, it doesn't get old. We've watched these. I know. We've watched it like four times. I still am rendered helpless <laughs> at the end of these, of his. Oh, it's And just Johnny is like, are you done, Dell? Are you done? <laughs> yeah. Dell's through, folks. But Dell is not happy with how the remote is going. No, he, let's let's talk blown fuses. Nobody has, has been coming in. He's yelling at Johnny. And that's when Bob Burnett. Now, of course, those of us who were paying attention earlier in the episode know that this is Bob Burnett, who was meeting with Andy earlier this week. And Bob heard about the remote and got an idea. Not a good idea, but Bob got an idea. But he's desperate. He comes in at first and asks for the bathroom. (laughs) 
<laughs> Delco's looking for the brand bathroom on right, his rack. Right, He's like, customer, customer. <laughs> bathroom, bathroom, bathroom. Right next to a moosey <laughs> Moosey-a-hockey. It's over on the back there, Del. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so he comes out of the bathroom and... Bobby John- does. And he pulls a gun on Del. Johnny is announcing all of this over the mic. He goes, Johnny so starts if doing there's play anybody by play. listening, we've got a man who just pulled a gun. They're hoping that somebody will call the police. <laughs> but it's WKRP. <laughs> right. Now we did look at the gun. He it is a Colt forty five model one nine one one with okay. a pearl handle. And and I I've got to admit here I didn't just recognize that. I gave you that number. I did find that in research somewhere that somebody identified right. that and gun. Right, and I think I Johnny didn't... mentions it. He, he looks like a Colt forty five. Does he? Does he I say? I think that? he says that. I'm no expert on firearms, but I'd say the perpetrator is sporting a forty five. Probably Shh. surplus. Don't sh- me on the boss. But anyway, Bobby's got a gun and. Uh, Dell and Johnny are a little worried about it. We're back in the studio with Les and Andy. They're listening to the remote, and they're listening to all of this happening because I think they're the only ones listening. Yeah, Carlson's wanting to know what's going on, and then he and Andy realize they need to get down there. Right. And Johnny makes a comment. He says, time for another record, and then that's where it cuts off, and we cut to this scene of now the car racing down the street. Well, what we found out is there's another song in there that we lost. Oh, oh, that's right. You were supposed to have heard Linda Ronstadt's Back in the USA starting right there where Johnny says it's time for another record. That would have started, and that provides us the pad to get Andy and Carlson. We would have seen them walk out the door. But and we then, didn't see that. But we didn't see that because Shout Factory was not able to get that one licensed, and I it was see. not put back in. And we also lose Herb's arrival at the station. Now, I've pulled that same scene off of Dale Kovar's disc with the Linda Ronstadt re-edited, and you're also going to hear Herb arrive at the studio. It's time to play another record. <laughs> we got to we, we help Johnny out. Look, we'll take my car. It's parked out in front. We... I have a guy. Well, everything is off and running down at Dell's just the way I planned it. <laughs> I want this man killed. <laughs> Slowly and, and, and painfully. Okay? So we, we missed a little bit of that. But then we go to this racing in the street shot. It's with, a, as an aerial view. Uh, yeah, looking down at this car that's running down. And I have read a couple of places, but I, I've not gotten anything. It's These have been in commentary lines uh, that I've found where people have said that those are streets in Cincinnati. That footage was actually shot in Cincinnati. I don't have confirmation for that. I don't right. know that for a but fact. But we did see it looks like a big church. Yeah. At that one corner right before they do the U-turn. And it kind of like had that Catholic feeling. church or something. I don't know. If you were going to show something that much of a landmark, you wouldn't want to show something that's in Los Angeles or you know somewhere over where they're shooting the show. I think probably because they did show that church and they did show some of those things, those really are you know shots in Cincinnati. But our deal was it's like was this really necessary it's an aerial view of the car rushing down the street and and you're listening to andy and mr carlson's uh they're doing a voiceover yeah and well and and all it is that the whole thing is to get to the joke where andy says well when we get there we're going to meet the gunman and carlson goes oh right and the car does a u-turn that's the whole joke and i think eh, it really didn't add to the story no 
I would have rather and had a little more Hamilton. Exactly. <laughs> bring bring back the wingy memorial mall. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we're back at Dell's. And yeah, can... Bob the gunman, he, he lets Dell and Johnny know why he's there, what his plan is. I'm here to hijack this broadcast. <laughs> Once I get through here, I'll be the most famous disc jockey in North America. There'll be stories in all the papers. I'll have more job offers than I know what to do with. They're thinking Bobby wants money, and Dell's saying, I don't keep any cash here. And- I'm sorry, sir. We got no uh, cash in the cash register. This is a credit card business. I'm not allowed to keep cash, nor checks, and no refunds. That's our motto. What we find out is he has not worked in six months. He's a DJ, and he's been out of work. What he wants to do is to hijack the remote, and then he'll become famous. Yeah, on WKRP. <laughs> So he's leaning over the soundboard, and the gun is kind of pointing at Johnny. And here's where we see some wonderful eye acting. Yeah, he casually flops that gun around and gestures with it and just kind of... Because he's not really wanting to use it. No, but it's scaring the heck out of Johnny. And yeah, the, the eye acting, both Hamilton Camp... And Howard Hessman get in some amazing eye acting in these right. scenes. We see uh, Johnny here with the up and down eye acting. Yeah, uh, from and, the gun to Bob. And from this the gun to Bob. Great line. Yeah, are you here to create an opening at the station? Or? <laughs> <laughs> about, about. And and then now we we kind of forgot with all this excitement and of course Dell's massive pitch and then the gun being drawn and everything. Bucky's in the back room. And it's now, we heard Johnny say, coming back when they got the remote fired up and the power back on is 1230. Right. So we're still in the noon hour. Bucky comes out, and it's time for lunch. Go ahead and shoot. But you're going to have to answer to Engineers Local 601 if I don't get my lunch. This is where we get more eye acting, where Dell and Johnny are trying to draw trying Bucky's, to get Bucky's attention, attention to the gunman. And that's where Dell is kind of doing the horizontal, back and forth, back and forth. Back and forth. <laughs> I don't know how he does that so fast. <laughs> Another thing about radio station engineers, nothing, nothing, nothing can get them in the least bit ruffled about anything. Okay, the station could be on fire in the middle of a hurricane, and he's still going to be soldering something as an engineer. Nothing throws them. Right. So the guy standing there with the gun telling him he wants him to come back in or whatever, not working with him. No, uh, it's Bucky's lunch hour, and, and he's not about to let anything interfere with his lunch time. And he's a member of Union Engineers Local 601. When he right. pulls that out... Well, I don't want any trouble with the unions, especially that one. <laughs> I guess it's bon appetit. Okay, well, I don't want any trouble with the union. He's checking his affiliation. There was some power there. You don't want to mess right. with those guys. So he lets Bucky go on out to lunch. Of course, Bucky goes to lunch, and I don't think he calls the cops. Doesn't or call anybody for help. Doesn't let anybody know there's a uh, madman with a gun in there holding Dell's hostage. Bucky just goes to get his sandwich. I'm sure he's sitting out in the truck somewhere. Johnny's like, okay, Bob, you, you want on the mic. You want to you wanna take over. Is that your name you're going to use? Okay, and this is the Bob man... Bob Burnett? This is the man who's lived his whole life as Johnny Cool, Johnny Midnight, John, all Johnny the, Sunshine. All Johnny, Johnny Sunshine. So, of course, you can't just go on the air with your own name. What no, are you doing? No, 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 not Bob Burnett. Boogie. Bob Boogie. Bobby Boogie. See, it has a roll to it. Bobby Boogie. Bobby Boogie. Trust me on this one. Huh? So Johnny gives him his new radio name, Bobby Boogie. Boogie. Bobby, think about the environment. Come on. We're talking bent noodle here. <laughs> we come back to the studio. And for some reason, Les is monitoring now the program on headphones. Listening to what's going on at Art Dell's. rushes in and he's demanding to hear what's happening and realizing there's no sound in the room. So he runs over and grabs the volume knob. And turns it way up. Yeah! <laughs> Sounds like a cat 
that's being tortured it was or something. Awful. And <laughs> that that was less. All right. Speaking of engineers and and kind of sour and deadpan, I was. I remember once an engineer at a station telling us to stop turning up the headphones in the studio. A couple of the guys had some real hearing problems because they'd been in radio for a long time, ah. and these guys were c- completely cranking the headphones all the way up. This guy did a measurement on him, and he said, when you put those on your ear, you're subjecting yourself to 135 decibels. A jet engine is 140 decibels. Wow. That hurt. He takes the headphones off, and now we're listening to what's happening over the big speakers. We uh, get the end of Janice's Mercedes-Benz, and Mm -hmm. you remember from our prologue, Howard Hessman one-time, part-time lover of Janis Joplin. So a yes. little, little something there for Howard, I guess. Uh, and then a voice they don't know comes on to outro that song. A Mercedes Okay, gang, this is your big, bad, bobbin' buddy, Bobby Boogie, and that was a song I guess you'd have to call a classic. And he's doing a great job. Sounding pretty good. Reaching back into the stacks of wax. And, and you know what I thought, too? When Johnny first said Bob Boogie, Bobby Boogie, I thought, ooh, that's kind of hard, but Bob sells it. Yes, he does. He really makes it work. He's hitting those B's really hard, and it's got some rhythm to it. I kind of like the way he does that. He was a good DJ. I don't know why he's out of work. I was replaced by a machine. And he introduces Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan. Then they're trying to figure out, who is that? Yeah, who, who is, is that? that? And Les says, well, maybe it's the robber. And Mr. Carl said, I, now I think this is kind of uncharacteristic for art. I think it's... Probably the robber. No, don't be a jerk. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's not usually this harsh. We got a little less giving it back to Mr. Carlson with the whole... I know I'm a jerk and all that. (laughs) But has anybody tried to call the police? I think that was a little smart mouth on Les there, giving it right back to Art. But has anyone called the police yet? Herb and Andy and Carlson look at each other and boom, they take off out of the Nobody's called the cops. And Johnny, over the air, has been saying, if there are any police officers in the area. So these guys not even listening to Johnny asking for cops. Right. Policemen who might be listening and apparently we're being held up down here at Dell Stereo and Sound. That's a two, four, six, seven, five, nine. nine. Back at Dell Stereo shop, Bobby Boogie is telling Johnny how he was replaced by machines and that's why he's been out of work. That's and why he is so desperate. Automated station. Yeah. Johnny and Bobby and this episode get a lot of credit for foreshadowing what really happened in radio over the course of the next That's 20 years. Right. Uh, everybody been replaced by machines. Automation takes over. Yes. This is nuts. But Bobby is uh, getting all worked up and he's like, machines, machines, and he starts hitting all of the stereo he's equipment tearing and up Dell's and- stuff. Are you crazy? <laughs> all Del. of Dell's ah! merchandise that he loves like his children. Why don't you just shoot me? <laughs> As he's burying his chest yeah. to... Yes. To Bobby, just just shoot me, and he rips his shirt open. And he's got his head turned to one side, and he's he's ready for it. And and that's when you know Bobby's just a poor guy he's out of work. He's not anybody. a violent guy. He doesn't want right. to hurt anybody. And he's like, I don't know, Dell Johnny now. Helping a brother in sound. You've got to help a brother in Look, sound. Johnny and Bobby, they form a little bond here. Mm-hmm. They and start bonding. Johnny tells him to lock Dell in the bathroom. Yeah. Lock him in the bathroom. That's a good idea. You're not supposed to help him, Favor. This is robbery. I'm robbery. I mean it. We're talking 10 to 15, Favor. We're talking Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., Favor. 
he puts Dell in the bathroom, and then he has has to knock on the door, and and Dell opens and says, "I need the keys." Need the keys, yeah. And he, this was a mistake here when well, he tries to lock the bathroom door. He, well, again, he locks it, and then it kind of it kind of bounces open, creaks open, or something, and then they just have to pull it shut again. It's kind of like a set on a high school. Well, because you play. mentioned, did you have you looked at the walls? How the they walls move. shake. Every time they slam a door, the entire they don't even have to wall shakes. They don't shakes. even have to slam. They just close. Just it. close it. Yeah, close it. Just just to make it snap, and the whole wall moves. So Johnny's like, "Okay, come on, Bobby, come on." It is against the law to threaten people with a loaded gun, and he's got his arm around him. It's kind of and, and Bobby's going, "Oh, come on! Like I do that? It's not loaded." <laughs> and he points it away and pulls the trigger. And you think I'm crazy? I wouldn't carry a loaded gun. And we get one of the goofiest special effects. You do not tune in WKRP for the Jurassic Park level effects. That's not what you're here for. Okay, so he shoots the speaker from the front and it falls over sideways. sideways. So none of the physics are working. We can see the little platter that it was sitting on that's got the little levered motor on it to make it flip over it's just sitting right there on the floor and then (laughs) this is the best one when he shoots it they cut to it and there's a bullet hole we don't see the bullet hole appear they cut to it and the bullet hole's already there until the speaker falls (laughs) over and the bullet hole falls off it doesn't really fall it just goes gone But Bobby and Johnny keep going. So, hey. It doesn't throw them off at all. Maybe dad will let us borrow his camcorder and we can make a show. (laughs) (laughs) Have you got a gun? (laughs) Nut bar. Well, Dell, from the bathroom, he hears hears all this going on and he yells from the bathroom, what was that? My Breton 250, Dell. (laughs) I think Bobby's really shaken up after that gun going off and he's scared to death now. So he hands the gun to Johnny. And Bob, of course, feeling, you know, Bob just committed basically a holdup or a hijacking or a hostage situation or whatever. He's in a lot of trouble. (laughs) He's sitting there bemoaning. He's he's figuring the police must be on their way. It's all gone out over the air. Johnny's standing over him, his arm around him with the gun now very in Johnny's hand, very casually resting over Bobby's uh, shoulder. But Johnny says, oh, don't worry. When the cops come, I'll give them a bad description of you, okay? Oh, Johnny, you're such a nice guy. (laughs) Bobby's got more faith in everybody down at the station than Johnny does. (laughs) As as, he's saying this. As they're having this argument, here comes... The fuzz, and it's Hugh Wilson. Please, don't move. And he actually has a line. Yes. All right, drop it. (laughs) Is he the only one? Hugh comes in from the back, so he's back there where Bucky was, and obviously the back of Dell's not very well locked up if he's (laughs) just walking in there. Uh, And then we get two guys that come in the front door, also uh, obviously back up, you know, because you want to surround the place. Right. So these two guys come in the front door. As always with uh, extras on WKRP, if you don't speak, you don't get a credit. So these guys got no credit. <laughs> and if you know who those guys are, we'd love to give them a shout out. Hugh Wilson, as the cop, puts Johnny in handcuffs. <laughs> and he says, is, is this the only one? He looks right. at Bobby and goes, is this the only one? He does it. And, and, okay, it kind of cracks me up. Uh, 
We know from police procedurals, and we like our law and order, that they're probably going to stick around and ask a few questions. This is the shortest visit by the cops. They're there for yeah, like nobody is 14 seconds, and they're gone. They take him away in handcuffs. They take Johnny away. And Bobby stands there for a while, and he's looking and around. Bobby figures, he's confused. Hold, and it takes him a while to realize, I'm free. I got away with None it. None of this. The, well, there's one guy. That could finger him, and he's still locked in the bathroom. Right, so. and, and as Johnny is leaving, as they're taking him away, he looks back and winks at Bobby. Yeah, yeah. and and Johnny's knowing he's going to be fine. He didn't do anything, and once it, you know, but Johnny's cool. Johnny's cool up. with going to the going down to the police precinct. He'll be fine. So uh, then Bobby walks out as if nothing has happened, and the the room is empty. And there's enough of a beat. Hear... We get a beat, and then hello. <laughs> I'm not paying for this. <laughs> I wonder whoever came and let him out of there. So, well, all he had to do was push the wall and it just would have fallen over. So he'd have been fine. <laughs> we go to the final commercial break. And when we come back now, we're at a police lineup. And once again... William Woodson, now twice in this, he was on Les's intro piece in the back in the studio. William Woodson did it. And now he's the guy doing the dragnet closing over Johnny, William Woodson. Again, they work William Woodson like crazy, and he never gets a credit for this stuff. I hope he's getting a nice paycheck. No, I hope so. This is where we find out that Johnny's middle initial is R. John R. Caravella, also known as Johnny Duke, Johnny Style, Johnny Cool, and Dr. Johnny Fever. And we also get some confirmation um, because oh, they right. name him as John Caravella. So that's must John obviously R. really Caravella. be his last name. Caravella is his last name. Yes. Which we kind of figured that, but since it's on the mug, you don't know. Then they ta start talking about who they're looking for, the real robber. Yes, yeah, so a, a description as, was given to the police sketch shown artist. here in this sketch, and he holds up, Johnny holds up a picture, a sketch, a police sketch, and it's Richard Nixon. Yes, it is. It is obviously Richard Nixon, who Howard Hessman, uh, you know, sworn enemy of Richard Nixon throughout the war years and the, and the presidential years and being a member of the committee, which was this very anti-establishment kind of group. Obviously, Johnny, not a fan of Tricky Dick. So here's a fun fact. Howard Hessman played a hippie activist named Jesse Chaplin in season three of Dragnet, episode one, in 1968. And I thought that was kind of interesting because this is this whole last Doing scene a little parody of Dragnet. Dragnet style. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, doing a parody of Dragnet, and Johnny actually was on Dragnet, and we found a still from his appearance, and man, talk about a hippie. He he looked like we'll have to, trouble. We'll, we'll post it on the Facebook page if we can, if we can grab right, that still. Right. We'll put it up there, so... All right, so that is going to pretty much wrap up the holdup. And, of course, thank you so much, Hamilton Camp, for the wonderful, wonderful performance in that show. Moosey-ah hockey. Uh, <laughs> all right, what is up for next week, Donna? Next week, the episode is Bailey's show, and Bailey is very excited to be producing her own show on WKRP. Show, show. All 
right, so that is the official end of the episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, we recorded that a while ago, and what we're doing now is recording some shout-outs and some thank-yous to some folks that have helped us out. Um, we are right now at a month that we have been doing this actually posted. It is the end mm-hmm. of September, and we put our first episode up September 1st. And we've had some just fantastic people that have been really supportive this last month. So we wanted to say a few things to them. But and before we get to the shout outs, there's one quick thing from this episode. The little bit of music that we found from the yes. end of the commercial that Les plays has a little dog bark at the end of it. And what's funny is I we didn't hear it when we were watching the episode. I put it on the editor and I pulled it out to record it, mm-hmm. had it in my headphones turned up, and there it was. So listen <laughs> listen closely. I'll play a cut of it here. Did you hear it? I'll, I'll do it again. It's a dog barking right at the end of that. So- right, right. And we were thinking that it might be from a, an old Coppertone commercial, the one where the little dog pulls down the little girl's swimsuit bottoms. And I spent way too much time listening to old Coppertone commercials on YouTube. <laughs> I found a bunch of them. I did not know how many commercials Coppertone had made. Yeah. The little dog does bark, but never just that one yip. It's sometimes oh, it's see. two barks, and sometimes well, it's in it, the it commercial. It could and... be from an old dog food commercial, too. Quite, quite possibly, but I put a lot of time in trying to find that. So anyway, <laughs> that's that's a little... We've, we've always... Every time we post an episode, there's always something about the episode after I listen to it back going, oh, I forgot to mention this. So we got to throw that one in on this one. But well, now, let's get to our shout out. Yeah, let's say some big thanks to folks. Um, Eric Paul Johnson, EPJ. Uh, I want to say thanks to Eric. Actually, if you if you look in our header on our Facebook page and you see it's something like that's a damn good show or something, and it says Eric J. That's Eric Paul. Uh, he's a first weeker. He's been super supportive, and he is an insomniac brother in sound. Um, as a guy that used to work overnights, I understand that he's working at three in the morning editing while you're sleeping, and he's making some cool podcasts. He's got a uh, top forty podcast he does weekly. Uh, also, you said you checked out the yeah the ELO podcast. Yeah. Which I've really enjoyed, and it made me uh, get into my ELO music again. Jump on some ELO. That, right. that Eric's going to be happy about that. So Eric Paul Johnson, uh, one of our big supporters this last month, and thanks to you. Also, some other guys that have just been fantastic. And really, seriously, everybody that gets on the Facebook page and everybody that you know uh, says, "Hey, great show," or "Thanks a lot," or you know, we we, we love that. All of it. We yes. really appreciate it. But these guys, we tend to see a lot. Uh, Andy Shaw is one, and again, apologies if we mispronounce your name. Also, Jim Westbrook, man, Jim is like first like on almost everything I post. Jim is right there. Uh, Sean Hooper, Steve Hegstrom, Joe. Now, Joe, I'm going to give it a shot, man. Vecchiarelli, Joe Vecchiarelli. Uh, also, great. Joe's fast on the likes. Joe is right there on our on our post. Bill Elam, been fantastic. And just so many other guys. Um, we get those. Every time you like, it It goes in that little dot there, and it says either like or love, and it's got the little smiles. And if you hold the cursor over it, it'll pop up all of the names. And I'm getting to the point now where I'm recognizing a lot of those names when yeah, I hold over that yeah, icon. It's like, him. oh, yeah, there's Sean, and there's, you know. So, right. so apologies if we didn't mention you, but we definitely appreciate the support. Well, Patrick um, Edeburn has been with us since the first episode, and Patrick, he's always great with a nice comment and some fun info. He's a self-professed KRP geek for yeah, now, sure. Now, Pat, uh, Patrick likes to uh, usually drop something in Messenger, so a lot of times you don't see him in the comments. But yeah, Patrick's been great. Also, Matt Porter. want to thank Matt. Uh, Matt's a 
been a huge fan of the podcast. He's obviously a huge KRP fan, and he did something that if we could encourage everybody to do it, he shared us to his timeline and even put something on it like, this is my new favorite podcast. So we really love that. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. And everybody, we see the shares on there. Thank you so much for sharing us and for promoting us to your friends. Um, also, try and get some new KRP fans. We've found a lot of folks that have never heard of KRP that are coming to it through the podcast and now getting into the show. I think so, that's awesome. You know, don't don't be afraid to share your passion for KRP with your friends. They're going to love you for it. Oh, and yeah. The other Patrick. We got another uh, Patrick. Right. Patrick McLaughlin. And Pat, I'm sorry if it's McLaughlin, but it, it looks like McLaughlin. Uh, that's the Illinois pronunciation. He lives in Atlanta. Patrick's a brother in sound who does freelance voiceover work. And you know what's a tough thing to support yourself at? Freelance, freelance voiceover, voiceover work. work. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so to make ends meet, uh, to make ends meet, um, Patrick does do a waiter gig now and then. And since he's in Atlanta, he wound up serving a group of folks. And among them was Tom Wells. And Patrick's a very personable guy. I mean, he's a voiceover guy. So you know, he was able to talk with them, and and uh, he's got a little story about meeting Tom Wells. So here's Patrick to tell you all about it. Tom shook my hand, and he says. Uh, you know, I'm most famous for writing the theme song to WKRP in Cincinnati. And I looked at him, I'm going, you're Tom Wells? Holy cow. And he was really surprised I knew his name. He didn't mind me asking the two obvious questions uh, that everybody asks him. One was, is that Richard Sanders singing the theme song? And of course, he said, no, it's, uh, I forget the person's name. But then... I asked him, which he gets asked all the time, too, about the words in the closing song. He just laughed. He said, yep, it's all gibberish, um, and it's all me. And that uh, he had to go into the booth uh, sort of last minute and wing it because their uh, one guy was stuck or couldn't make it. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, appreciate that. And really, uh, we we also know we've got a lot of, we got a lot of fellow broadcasters in the audience listening to us, which is great. And we know you guys have easy access to equipment. If you ever want to record something, please, you know, do it, drop it in Messenger. Uh, or send it to our email. If you'd record something for us, the best place to go is if you send it to our email, that's wkrpcast at gmail.com. Just send it as an attachment, and that way we'll know we can find it. We won't have to right. mess and with Facebook. Right, and just know that we just might use it. Yeah, we might put it on here. So, uh, and, uh, and again, blaming Facebook for this. <laughs> I could not find the guy's name, but somebody pointed out after our prologue episode that Richard Sanders' father is a lieutenant colonel and or that was a lieutenant well it was colonel. a lieutenant colonel and that would be colonel, colonel sanders. sanders we totally missed that so thank you for that <laughs> and from pilot part yeah, 1 yeah we had yes, some... we had a little uh, debate on this this was this was our first husband wife uh, it was a it was a spat it was a little spat a little yes. spat okay i really hung my hat on that johnny sunshine boss Jack. Mm -hmm. Don't you remember Andy said that? Johnny Sunshine Boss Jack. So I was interpreting that as Boss Jack. And I really went into talking about, I figure it's probably a two-man morning team. You know, you got Johnny Sunshine and then his sidekick, Boss Jack. Well... I was never on board with that. You weren't no, on board for that at all. Boss, boss Jock, but I think he had his little uh, accent going little there Andy, when he said little Andy little accent Andy there. accent. And... Uh, we also found in the Wikipedia entry about Johnny Fever, and yes, 
Uh, Fictional characters have Wikipedia pages. Mm -hmm. But in there it said Boss Jock. And also we had a... what did it say again? Johnny Sunshine Boss Jock, which means you were were right, dear. Yes, you were right, dear. We also did have a couple of folks post on the Facebook page and comment about it and say, really like that episode, (laughs) but... Might not be exactly right on that Boss Jack thing. So <laughs> so I'm backing that up. And if you should ever go back and re-listen to that episode, please know how embarrassed I am and we'll, we'll take that back. So. so, okay. So a guy named Mike Hernandez hopped on the page. Yes. Um, after we discussed Herb's ascot knot in, um, oh, I forget the episode that was in. It was a her. It was a fashion alert. But yeah, Herb, yeah, yeah. Herb tied an ascot knot, this flat kind of a cross knot, right. and it looked really weird. And we we commented about it in the fashion alert. And so, Mike Hernandez posted he, that he it was a a link to the. He posted a link to the Onassis knot, and it, and it was funny. In his post, he said, "Okay, I'm about 20 minutes into the episode," and he stopped listening to the podcast so he could post this. He didn't want to forget. So he got it on there. And we found out that this knot was made famous by the yacht magnate Aristotle Onassis in 1989. Right. And that's the reason they named it the Onassis. Well, Herb was wearing it, obviously, in 1978. So we are renaming that the Tarlick. The Tarlick knot. Yes, that'll be the Tarlick. Yes. Now, the thing about Mike Hernandez, when he posted this, this was the first time I think he'd ever really, he'd liked our page. And I saw the name, but it didn't stand out. But then when he made this comment about the Onassis knot, I thought, now, hold on a minute. Over the summer, while we were working on our research and finding all of the materials we've been using to put the shows together, I came across this incredibly comprehensive episode song listing. It was on a spreadsheet. It was just beautiful. And I even downloaded it because I was worried the link would disappear. And the guy who put this together, his name was Michael Hernandez. And I even found the way I found that list, he had been written up in a couple of newspaper articles. And also there were uh, stories on some radio station websites about this guy that did Mm -hmm. this spreadsheet. And his name was Mike Hernandez. So when I saw this Onassis not comment, I sent him a note and said, would you happen to be... Are you the same guy? That guy that we... And he said, yep, that's me. So... I have dubbed Michael the accountant of rock, and he said he <laughs> loves it. He will take the name. Uh, so Mike Hernandez, if you uh, – we'll put it in the show notes, a uh, link to this list. He's even adding to it now. He's put in their air dates, rerun dates. He's got rating and share information, just anything you want to know about every episode, plus all of the song lists, the original song, if it was replaced, and if it's back on the Shout Factor disc. So an amazing uh, spreadsheet that Mike has put together. Um, so we, yeah, we've dubbed him the accountant of rock. Now and I you've want put Mike right up there with Dale the Kovar, big D, the Big D. Now in the episode you just heard, again, always wanting to walk a few things back. In an episode, I mentioned in there that Dale Kovar, probably the most knowledgeable guy I had met about music in KRP. This was before I'd met Hernandez. So mm-hmm. I'm putting Michael and Dale. They're up there, and you said I got a bromance with these guys, yeah, which I may be true. They and, are into this, man, and, and I love it. Speaking of Kovar, remember um, at the very <laughs> beginning when we asked for some lyrics to the end theme? Yes. Yeah, that's how we first met Dale. And I think he already had this loaded up. You got to understand, Dale is also brother in sound. We got a lot of broadcasters listening to this podcast. Dale does um, karaoke. 
Dale does sound reinforcement. So, I mean, Dale's got access to a lot of recording equipment. And he's also got this buddy, Randy Avavra, who is a monster guitar player. <laughs> Randy can wail. So they put together a little bit of the theme using Dale's lyrics. <laughs> right. And, and Dale is singing, right? Yes. And his friend is... On the guitar. He's on the Randy guitar. Randy Bob on the guitar. Now, Dale put this on YouTube. So you can go check this out on YouTube, but we're going to give it to you here. Dale Kovar and Randy Vavra with the closing theme to WKRP. Hello, baby. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you heard it. Yes, you heard whack-a-mole in there. <laughs> whack-a-mole. Now, we, we do want to mention something about Dale's work on WKRP. Dale is a guy that really puts his editor where his mouth is. He has gone through every single episode of WKRP, and he has edited back in every single original music cue. This goes even beyond what Shout Factory did with additional songs, additional pieces of scenes that were taken out. So he so he's done an amazing job putting these back together. If you have an interest in talking to Dale about this, he, he loves to share. Uh, he always posts little chunks on some of the fan pages where you can see, you know, comparison of the, the scene that's out there on the shout disc and what he's done. If you want to talk to me about it, check out his Dale Kovar. He is always on the uh, KRP fan pages mm -hmm. on Facebook. You can also search him out on eBay. He has a lot of great memorabilia from KRP that he sells. He's also a buyer of KRP memorabilia, if you have anything. So check him out. Dale Kovar is K-O-V-A-R. And a big thanks to Kenny Warden and Sparky Carlson over at the Facebook KRP Fans Forever page. Yeah, those guys have really let us kind of get almost oh, uh, annoying posting they, stuff. <laughs> they've been a huge support, and, and they're great about letting us promote to the members of the page. Oh, and, and Kenny always drops a little note after a new episode and, you know, a little something attaboy. And it's it's really nice. We, we appreciate right. that. It's a fun page that that to follow. So yeah, you check ought to, it out. You ought to get on it. If you're not there and you're a KRP fan, you really got to get on there. It's a ton of other crazy KRP geeks like us. You'll, you'll mm -hmm. love it. Um, and also WKRP in Cincinnati is a Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, another big fan page. Tons of fans. Lots of great content. Graham, Leah, and Pat. Uh, over there have been amazing about letting us promote on their page as well. So thanks to those guys. Um, we do have a pretty specialized show. Yes. 42-year-old, uh, uh, talking about a 42-year-old sitcom uh, that, you know, was only on for four years. You, it's not a huge <laughs> chunk of people out there that are familiar with it. So we have to go where the fans are, and we love the fact that these guys have allowed us to do that. Okay, we do have a correction that we want to throw in just randomly from Hoodlum Rock. In the Hoodlum Rock... We made this statement when Les laughed right there when he walked in and right. talked about he talked about uh, the Cincinnati Triangle. Yes, and then he he finally got the joke when they said it's a joke. That's when he laughed and said a darn funny one. And and we thought that that was the first time that Les laughed. Oh, there it is, the first time. And then I was listening back to Les on a ledge, and caught 
when Andy tells Les that he's uh, been banned from from the, the locker room. Locker room. Les says why, and right. well, we can just play it. Here okay, it, here let's it is. Play it. God thinks you're homosexual. <laughs> That's what he says, and the organization has gone along with him on that one. There is the first There's laugh the first from laugh Les. Yes, just really fast, I right d- there. And I did not even notice. Hadn't I even d- thought about it. Huh. We, but, but really, there he wasn't laughing at a joke. He was kind of a nervous laugh. So I think so. Cause the first he, really laughing to laugh at something funny is Hoodlum Rock. So that's what we're going to give. Okay, Hoodlum Rock. we'll go with that story. All right. So there, that's our correction. So we're going to try to do these shoutouts um, frequently, and maybe not every show, but maybe as not often, as long as what we yeah, did. <laughs> yeah, this was just the intro. But as often as things come in. So please send us things that you'd like to share or that you want us to mention to our email address, wkrpcast at gmail.com. All right. And searching things in the new Message Center on Facebook is a mess. So oh, please I hate it. use the email address. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're losing a lot of things. In yeah, the, in I'm the, I know so. we forgot or we never found some stuff, yeah, I'm sure. And yeah, it's, it's not so. that easy to manipulate. All right, so we'll we'll shut down now. But thanks everybody for the support and keep listening. We got a lot more episodes to go. It's going to be a good time. Now that's going to do it for this episode of the WKRP Cast. Thanks for joining us. Remember, if you want to watch along, check our show notes for viewing options. Got a question, comment, or correction? Let us know about it. Write us wkrpcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. And remember, please rate and review us in your favorite podcast app. May the good news be yours. The WKRP cast is not endorsed by MTM Enterprises, Shout Factory, or CBS. This podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. WKRP in Cincinnati, the WKRP logo, and all names, pictures, and audio of WKRP in Cincinnati characters are registered trademarks of MTM, CBS, Shout Factory, or their respective copyright holders. Almost forgot, fellow babies. Booger!